Welcome to the Aquarian Intuitive Podcast, a show to help you raise your vibration and elevate your experience of life here on earth. Each episode, I'm going to hit you with little nuggets of wisdom that will help you shift your entire life from feeling stuck, unworthy, disempowered, and anxious to a life filled with balance, purpose, clarity, freedom, and alignment to help you remember that you have limitless potential to create a life that feels good. I'm your host, Veronica WK, a transformational coach, spiritual mentor, artist, and mystic, here to support you in up-leveling your life. Now, let's dive in. Hello, friends. It has been another hot minute. I think I said that last time. Um but it still stands. It's been a hot minute since I last recorded a podcast episode and um, that's okay. I've had a lot going on. It's all good. It's all positive, but I've really been feeling the call to share my voice more. Um, And so today is the first step in starting that again. I wanted to share a little bit about um, my take on this Leo full moon that we experienced over the weekend. Today when I'm recording this, it is Tuesday um, and the Leo full moon was Sunday night. And um, it just, it's really interesting how this energy has been so present, not just over the weekend, but in the collective energy. So Full moons, as we've discussed before, I'm sure, um, are really a time of releasing. It's interesting because, you know, when you turn the lights on, the moon is full, right? So it's basked in light. The sky is brighter. Um, moonlight, it's beautiful. But that light also produces shadows. So when the lights are out, you don't see shadows. Everything is in the dark. Um, And, you know, new moons are a time where you can think of an empty bowl. It's up to you to decide how you will fill it. It has 100% potential. And that's why new moons are wonderful for manifesting because it's a time when literally anything is possible. That bowl is empty and you can fill it with whatever you want. The full moon is a full bowl. Nothing else fits. You have to take something out if you want to put something else in. And that's one way of thinking of it. So with the illumination of the full moon comes the shadows. And, you know, when you think of a scary movie, what's lurking in the shadows, um, it can be things that go bump in the night. And quite often things that look really scary in the dark when they're in the shadows are actually not so frightening at all. Um, So it's also a time of illusion, Um, things can appear to be frightening or um, they might appear to be one way when in reality they're just something different. So it's really a time for us to witness when those kinds of thoughts are coming up. You know, they're, they're coming into the light so that we can see them. So things that are really deeply buried are illuminated so that we can witness them. Um, especially things like limiting limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs become really obvious to us so that we can release them and move through them. And our fears and traumas, which are typically the source of our limiting beliefs, 
come up to the surface to be healed and released and moved through. So that's full moons in general. And then this was the new, uh, the full moon in Leo. And Leo is all about confidence, personal power, leadership. Um, you think of someone being described as lion-hearted. And I always think of like a king, you know, the brave king who is good to his people and he unites his people um, you know, in a, in a great army behind a common force, you know, to do good. It's the lion hearted. Um, and that's about being really courageous and brave and strong and good. Um, it's a very positive energy. It's about being in integrity to ourselves and showing up in the world authentically, whatever that means for you. So, you know, questions to ask yourself are, how do I show up in the world as my true self? How can I express who I really am? And how can I empower other people to do the same? You know, leading by example is the best way to, to do that. Um, and our true self is sometimes kind of quirky or super quirky. Um, but that's okay. You know, it, it takes a lot of courage to be fully who we are, our true selves, and 100% authentic. And that means releasing, you know, the societal expectations, um, the expectations that we grew up with because of our parents, or we think that our parents had of us, or, um, you know, just the pressures that we put on ourselves because of some ideas that maybe we don't even know where we got them from. Um, but it's, you know, one good example that I can pull from my own life is, you know, when are you going to have children? I'm 35. I just turned 35 uh, a little over a week ago and I'm never having children. And I have known that from a very young age. And I'm talking about like five or six years old, my, you know, friends for birthday parties and things would give me baby dolls. And I was like, I don't like babies. And I know my mom said something like, well, someday when you're a mommy, and I said, I'm not going to be a mommy. I don't want to be a mommy. And I've known that, and that is who I am. And I have remained totally true to that, even through, you know, high school and college and, you know, just the, the conversations with girlfriends about, you know, someday when, when they're moms or, you know, the process of trying to get pregnant or, you know, the heartache of being unable to get pregnant. I've had friends go through that. And while I can, you know, give them heartfelt sympathy and, and, you know, wish for them to have their greatest wishes fulfilled, it's not my wish. And I've never, ever felt like, oh gosh, is there something wrong with me for not wanting this? It's just very clear to me that that was never part of my path. Um, and it's not that one path is better than another. It's just that that is the best path for me. So that's just one example, um, you know, of, of being authentic to who we are and not bending to what society says is quote unquote normal, right? I've had total strangers and I'm talking literally one time a bank teller. Um, you know, it just comes up in conversation. Oh, do you have kids? No. And then you get that look and they're like, well, are you going to have children? <laughs> like, first of all, that's a really personal question. Um, and I'm always like, no, I, I don't want to have children, you know, and 
I've had total strangers say to me, oh, you'll change your mind someday. How old are you? Well, in a few years, you know, that clock will start ticking. And I'm like, hold up. That is none of your business. Um, And also, you don't know a person's story. It's just a ridiculous assumption to make that everybody wants the same things in life, especially something so heavy and such a responsibility of bringing another human being into the world and raising them to be a good human being like whoa step off you know so that's just like I said one way that I have been really true to who I am always and not wavered from that and I'm not saying that braggadociously it's just a a, I think a really clear example of um, a societal standard that at least in American culture at this time is is a norm and you know you reach a certain age and you have parents it or you become a parent you have children it's what you do right quote unquote and that's not my path and that is perfectly fine and for many people it's um you know not working a nine to five job because they crave more freedom or you know I was speaking to someone last night that her path has been that she craves having many part-time jobs and not one full-time job because that really lights her up. She likes doing lots of different things and that suits her. And she's in her probably early 50s. Um, And she said when she was younger, you know, in high school age, her mom said, no, you can't, that's, you can't do that. That's not a way to make a living. And she's done it. And she's very successful and very happy with the way that her life has gone. And so there just isn't a cookie cutter mold, you know, of how you're supposed to do things, but society tries to tell us that there is. So that takes a lot of courage to make those decisions because they are what is true for you. And sometimes they don't match up to what society thinks is the best currently, you know, in this current paradigm. And, you know, those are, those are kind of big decisions, big lifestyle kind of things that I've given examples for, but our day-to-day life also demands courage. And it's something that we really have to cultivate. It's not something that most people just naturally have, right? Like, I mean, on a larger scale, if you look at the world that we live in right now, the current paradigm that we're under, it is very challenging and that's saying it nicely no matter where you fall on the political spectrum it is a challenging time right now it doesn't matter if you are far left far right somewhere in the middle an independent it doesn't matter we are in a very challenging political climate right now because it is so divisive and because there are such far-leaning ends of the spectrum. The spectrum is very wide right now, if that makes sense. Um, And we also have a lot of, you know, social things that are happening right now. Like, for some reason, we're still talking about race in 2020. I mean, isn't this like the sci-fi future? And somehow we are still talking about a racial divide. And that just boggles my mind. And yet here we are. The poverty in in America alone is crazy. And then you look at the world stage and I mean, it's, it's difficult to comprehend. 
the environmental issues that our planet is facing with climate change, um, you know, gay rights, animal rights. It is, it is just overwhelming with all of the difficult things that are happening to human beings and all beings really in our environment on this planet right now. And it takes a lot of courage, strength, and discipline to just have the energy to keep up with day-to-day life, right? Like you turn on the TV and you're bombarded with difficult news that can be really challenging and traumatic. Um, and I mean, you, you can't really escape from it. Even, you know, depending on where you live, if you live in a city, you see poverty all the time and you, it can make you feel really helpless. Um, it's, it's just a very challenging time. And no matter who you are, what your socioeconomic status is, or your political leanings or whatever, um, we're all facing challenges in some way in this world right now. And uh, that's part of the human condition. And so how do we keep up with that? How do we stay strong and stay true to ourselves and show up in the world authentically and not give in to the fear, right? And let the fear take over. And all fear comes from a sense of separation. Let me say that again. All fear comes from a sense of separation. The ancient Indian scriptures, the Vedic texts say, one who has even the slightest sense of differentiation is always afraid. One who has even the slightest sense of differentiation is always afraid. Really think about that. And this feels like such amazing timing that the Oscars were this past Sunday, so just two nights ago. I did not watch the Oscars. That's not my cup of tea. Um, But I caught the highlight reel on the news yesterday morning and the only thing I needed to see was Joaquin Phoenix's speech. And I actually um, printed out the transcript of his speech and I will keep it forever. I think it is possibly one of the greatest speeches that has ever been given. And I'm going to read it. It's short. I'm going to read it right now because it's so amazing and so appropriately timed that I think it will go down in history as um, kind of evidence of this enormous change that I believe we are going through as a society. So here's his speech. We have to continue to use our voice for the voiceless. I've been thinking a lot about some of the distressing issues that we're facing collectively. I think at times we feel, or we're made to feel, that we champion different causes. But for me, I see commonality. I think whether we're talking about gender inequality or racism or queer rights or indigenous rights or animal rights, we're talking about the fight against injustice. We're talking about the fight against the belief that one nation, one people, one race, one gender, or one species has the right to dominate, control, and use and exploit another with impunity. I think that we've become disconnected from the natural world. And many of us, what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview, the belief that we're at the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby, even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. 
Then we take her milk that's intended for her calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. And I think we fear the idea of personal change because we think that we have to sacrifice something to give something up. But human beings at our best are so inventive and creative and ingenious. And I think that when we use love and compassion as our guiding principles, we can create, develop, and implement systems of change that are beneficial to all sentient beings and to the environment. Now, I've been a scoundrel all my life. I've been selfish. I've been cruel at times, hard to work with and ungrateful. But so many of you in this room have given me a second chance. And I think that's when we're at our best, when we support each other, not when we cancel each other out for past mistakes, but when we help each other to grow, when we educate each other, when we guide each other toward redemption. This is the best of community. When he was 17, my brother wrote this lyric and it said, Run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. And that's the end of his speech. Run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. That is so impactful. It, it's amazing. What he's saying is that we can conquer fear if we extinguish the idea of separation, right? Nothing is different amongst us. Nothing is greater than or less than. It's all just one thing. We're all the same. We are love and we have to rally behind love to bring peace to our existence as human beings on earth, as all beings on earth really. And how do we do that? How do we unite in commonality? Like he said, amongst all of these different challenges that we're facing. And, you know, we might pick one of those, for example, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for almost 13 years. And so, you know, that's something that I hold very dear to my heart. It's important to me, but I don't look down on people who aren't vegan. It's my choice. It's something that I do to be authentic to what my values are. Um, but my husband's not vegan. He eats meat. Um, and I respect that because that's his values. Um, but you know, it's, it's about being authentically us. How do we, how do we unite instead of being more divisive? I could be angry and say, everybody should be vegan. How dare you? But that's not solving an issue. How do we unite against duality? Well, meditation helps us transcend duality. That idea of me versus them this is my issue and those are your issues. You know, it's, it's not like that. An inner versus an outer world. It's duality is a finite existence versus an infinite existence or awareness. Infinite awareness has no boundaries, no limits or edges. A finite awareness is that limited worldview. And we say, you don't know, this is the right way. That's not the right way, right? Well, we only know what we've experienced or what we have personally had knowledge of. But if there is something outside of our realm of knowledge or experience, we, we just don't know about it. How can we know about it? And so we have boundaries. We as humans have boundaries and limits to our awareness. And meditation helps us transcend those limitations and reach a non-dual awareness in that non-dual awareness where there is no separation, that is the exact state of fearlessness, 
There is no fear if there is no separation. So when we meditate and we reach that non-dual awareness, we are in the state of fearlessness. There's nothing separating us from the all. We have no limits, fears, and judgments. So meditation helps us build our ability to experience that even if only for a fleeting moment, right? As as people who are beginning meditation, we might not be there yet. We might not have those even just a fleeting moment. It takes practice. That's why it's called a practice. But over time, we build our ability to reach those moments of fearlessness, non-dual reality, a finite awareness, I'm sorry, infinite awareness. And we train our consciousness to get there a little faster over time. It becomes easier. It happens more quickly. And eventually when we get good at it, when we've had so much practice of getting into that state of infinite awareness, fearlessness, it becomes how we live. We're able to witness in our day-to-day lives when we are seeing things through separation and we see it for what it is. It's an illusion of separation. And we say, no, 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 no. I know that's not true because I've now experienced no separation. I have experienced oneness in my meditation. So I can see that there's something beyond my current experience and I can transcend that and see it's just an illusion, played, you know, a trick played by the mind. So meditation helps in four ways. Number one, it helps us build a connection to that something beyond us. We're, we're building a bridge to a greater experience, a greater consciousness that transcends separation. And every time we practice, we put another brick in the path, right? And it helps us enter that state of fearlessness. Number two, it entrains the brain or the mind to get really comfortable with our emotions so they no longer pose a threat to us. So when we habitually experience anxiety or fear or just monkey mind chatter, you know, those thoughts, when we experience emotions that are distressing, that are not pleasant, we don't want to experience them. So we try to push them away. It's that fight or flight response. Our brain says, oh, no, 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 no. We have to get away from this thing that causes me fear, right? And so we choose to go away from it. But when you meditate in stillness, those fear thoughts come up and that thing that, that makes you nervous or anxious or afraid, it's going to be on your mind because you're sitting with yourself. And instead of running away from it, you just sit with it. And you let your brain feel that fear and that anxiety and it thinks about it. And then when nothing happens and your brain moves through that fear, it moves through that anxiety and it might take some time, but you move through it. Over time, you're training your brain to carve a new neural pathway. It doesn't have to go into fight or flight mode anymore. Your brain learns, oh yeah, there's that thing that causes me some anxiety, but I know it's not really a threat because nothing's going to happen. And you create a more peaceful path and you stop having that fight or flight response by carving that new neural pathway. And it does take time. It takes practice. It takes about, I think it's 21 or 29 days, I forget, to create a new neural pathway. But with consistent, repetitive practice, you can change your brain. And I was someone who, as an aside, I had um, medically diagnosed um, 
PTSD a few years ago from persistent stress and meditation saved me. I stopped having panic attacks because I created a new pathway in my brain that helped me not go into that immediate overload of adrenaline where I would literally pass out. (laughs) So it really does work, I can say from experience. The third way is that it helps guide us toward right action. So when we're trying to make a decision about what should I do, right? A lot of times our decision-making process is guided by what we think other people think we should do, our parents, our spouse, our boss, whatever, Um, or society, you know, oh gosh, if I do this, people are going to think I'm nuts, right? Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear my husband's going to yell at me, you know? But when we're making decisions based on what we think someone else will think or say or do or you know judge us in some way a lot of times it's not the right thing based on what's true for us based on our authentic our authentic self right so meditation helps guide us toward right action because we can hear the voice of our conscience the voice of our higher self the voice of our inner wisdom whatever you want to call it, instead of that fear voice that says, oh my gosh, what if? What if I make the wrong decision? What if something goes wrong? What if people think I'm crazy? What if someone disagrees with me? We don't hear those anymore because we learn to tune those out and to really only hear that quieter voice, but the truer voice of our our conscious. And the last way is that it increases our prana. Prana is life force. When we have stores of life force or prana, it means we have the energy reserves built up so we can deal with it. So, I mean, stress is always going to happen. Life, look at the world around us. Things are happening that are out of our control, but we don't have to go off the deep end and go into fear. When we have lots of life force energy, when our prana is strong, we have the energy to deal with it and not go into fear mode and you know to still hear that inner voice guide us toward right action know what is the best course of action what should we do because we have practiced leaning on that through meditation and i have one last quote that i would like to share and i don't know who the author is but i just think it sums up so perfectly really the essence of why courage is so necessary in this current time. It says, These times are demanding that we live as spiritual warriors, fearless, standing for truth, and lit from within by the radiance of the soul. The life of a spiritual warrior is a life of courage, compassion, strength, and discipline. These qualities enable us to conquer our inner doubts and insecurities with steady determination and grace. In addition, As spiritual warriors, we are called to stand up for the dignity and human rights of our neighbors, our communities, our nations, and our planet. I just think that goes so hand in hand with Joaquin Phoenix's speech and, you know, everything that that I spoke about in this episode. Um, So it just feels really aligned and um, like a very clear message about what we are tasked with in this current time, what this energy calls for. And so I hope that you found some some little pearls of wisdom in this little uh, Dharma talk, if you will. Um, 
I think I'm going to call it a soul sermon. Soul sermon um, just sounds nice and it's really, you know, where I'm kind of coming from. It's, it's a, a little, little bit of wisdom for the soul and, and how we can be true to ourselves and really cultivate selfhood and show up in the world as our best self and let go of all the things that are keeping us from that so we can live a a more peaceful and fulfilling life. And that is my wish for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Aquarian Intuitive Podcast. If you like this show and you want to know more, check out my website, www.aquarian-intuitive.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Aquarian Intuitive. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Drop me a line. You can rate and leave a review on iTunes. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you thought, what you learned, or if you have something to add, absolutely please share. And if you have a friend that you think could benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them, pass this little nugget of wisdom along. So until next time, have a beautiful day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.